I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Rewind. Today we're going to discuss a fight that's very famous in Irish boxing history. Best fight I was ever at ringside. Bernard Dunn against Ricardo Cordoba. I'm joined today by two boxers who took part on the card at different stages of their careers. Ray Moylis was still an amateur at the time, reigning world junior champion, and you fought on, at the beginning of the show. And Jim Rock, the four-time Irish champion who had his last professional bout on the... Uh, on the card also. So lads, welcome along to the show and thanks for joining me. Thanks very much for having us, Kev. Lads, how's life free how's life treating you in twenty twenty? Ray, I believe you're a new father and you're obviously it's been a new adjustment for you. That's it, yeah. Twenty twenty is uh is the year for change definitely for me. Boxing career has taken uh taken to the shelf and I've become a, a full time daddy at the minute. So look at things are great and I couldn't be happier but I'm really looking forward to getting back into the ring whenever that time does come. Uh, um, it's definitely a change for me. I've been boxing at a top level since since I was 18 for the last 12 years. And uh, not to be looking forward to a fight or not to be making weight uh, for such a long period of time is definitely a big change for me. So mm-hmm. I'll be glad when all this is wrapped up, as will everyone else be, until we get back to normal. Yeah. And Jim, it's 12 years almost since your last professional contest. Can you believe it's so long? And... That must mean you're nearing a comeback if we're looking at Mike Tyson and Glenn McCrory, Evander Holyfield and what all the other boys are doing. You must be getting back into the ring soon for a bit of a payday. No, I can't even get up. I can't even do any training at the moment. I'm just getting lazy. Every time, I, like for the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, I keep saying, I'm going to train tonight. I'm going to run in the morning. I just, when I go home, I just put my feet up and I say, I'm not bothering the earth. So I've, 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 I've done enough training and uh, I still get on the scales every morning. But once I get on the scales and my weight, I keep, once my weight is under 13 stone, I'm happy enough. I don't need to train. <laughs> uh, long time since I've seen parties. <laughs> Have you watched any good Christmas movies, Jim, in the run up to the, to the big day? I know you're a big movie fan from talking to you last time. Well, I don't know where you got that from because I'm not a movie fan at all. If I watch anything on telly, it's the X Factor, the, the Jungle, and all them sort of shows. Yeah. That's what I watch. You wouldn't watch a bit of Home Alone at this sort of stage, or Christmas Chronicles new on Netflix? No, I don't have Netflix. So, uh, <laughs> no, don't watch anything like that, no. Fair enough. Um, Jim, when did you last watch the Bernard Dunn versus Ricardo Cordoba fight? Um, was it recently, or did, did you you know did you watch it back at all since since the fight took place? No, I just watched it on the night. Um, mm. I I don't watch boxing. Um, I, like I'd only watch a main fight on TV, and I'd never go back and watch them. You know, I just watched them there and then, but I wouldn't go back and watch them again. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a kind of life. I'm kind of I kind of feel the same. I like to watch it live when it takes place. But I know Ray, you've been studying up. You've been you watched the fight back, did you? I actually watched the fight back a few months ago, but not not really to look, check out the fight. Mm. I watched it back to, get, to compare it against my own fight night because every time we're boxing, we always, everything is, the benchmark is the Bernard Dundas. You know, how big were them nights? What was the experience? What was the atmosphere? And uh, you know, for me, when I fought in, back in the TF 2018, that was massive for me. But then watching Bernard Dunn's night in the point 
at sort of a mockery of my night altogether. He was at a, a serious level and the night was unbelievable. Obviously, it's different stages and horses for course and all that, but it was a, it was a massive night for Irish boxing and boxing in general. Yeah. How did it come about that you ended up boxing on that card? Because obviously uh, I was down in Castlebar at the, I think it was the Faccio fight at Bravey House. And you, I think you were introduced into the ring. You just won your gold medal in Guadalajara, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. you know, there was a rousing crowd in Mayo. There, Henry Coyle was a big attraction on the evening as well. And you were introduced. And is that how you got your in into the kind of Brian Peters promotions world and you established contact there? Um, well, that's probably that's when I met Brian Peters first, and I know he we instantly we kicked off, and I was brought in actually to spar one of his Cuban prodigals. Um, his name escapes me now, but he had, they were in training camp at Brafey House for a while after. Alexi Acosta, Acosta. Yeah, he was always a featherweight, was he at the time? Yeah, super band like, featherweight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he he was walking around a lot bigger than that. <laughs> and, uh, I think Gary Hyde had him actually. And I went in, I was called in to spar them um, for a day or two. And I was after getting off the plane from Mexico. And I, I had nothing but uh, holidays in my mind, you know. I had a few pounds in the back burner and I did a bit of time off. And I got the call to come in to spar and I wasn't really able for it at all. And uh, I probably didn't show my true colours uh, when I went in sparring that time. And we had a good old, we did a chat with... Um, Put them all in there, and we kicked off. We kicked off, and um, after that, then I think um, Brian Peters wanted to promote amateurs and professional boxers on the one night. He wanted to do a pro am show, mm. and he picked he picked three three big names: um, Katie Taylor being one, Paddy Barnes being the other, and myself. Um, I probably I probably reached the criteria because I was the world champion at the time, you know, world junior champion. And uh, we clicked. I clicked with him when he was in Brafie. So I think he might have done me a favour by getting me on that night. But yeah. you know, I don't. I don't know what has it been done since uh, proams in Ireland. But it was, it was definitely a, a, a night anywhere to start the career with with Barry Dunn winning the title as well. Yeah, it's been done a bit since. I remember interviewing you at the time, and uh, I think you were about eighteen, and I was getting. I was soliciting advice from you for Bernard Dunn on the big night as a world champion. What does he need to do to win? So it was kind of, it was almost a bit cheeky. Uh, Jim, do you recall, like, did, did you have, you were, you obviously had a relationship with Brian Pierce. Did you, was it just a given you were going to be on this card or did you have to fight to get a place on it? I know it's pretty much a given. I mean, I'm still, I mean, I'm just had to jump out of a car literally two minutes ago, which is Brian Peter's mom's car. Um, you know, I look after all their cars, uh, the county clubs, the staff's cars, Brian's cars, Brian's mother's car, so on and so forth. So I have a good relationship with Brian, and it's not just from boxing. I mean, I boxed for him, I promoted, I helped him in the promotion of some of the shows. Um, we also brought over the likes of Mike Tyson here, um, George Foreman, Sugar Ray Leonard. That was myself and Brian and another fella. So I was always involved in the background, um, always with Brian's name, obviously. Um, but my relationship with Brian like was wasn't just boxing related. I mean, we started off boxing, but then we got involved in other in other aspects of it. But Brian is just I don't think we'll ever see the Bernard Dunn Knights in this country again because even if we get a fighter as good as Bernard Dunn, we don't have anyone in this country that is gonna put our money where their mouth is to promote such a show, to pump to pump the money into the show that's that's needed to bring about them sort of shows. We don't have anyone in this country that's willing to do that at the moment. And then obviously at the moment we have the likes of the the dreaded feud at the moment. Mm. I mean, I can't see professional boxing going on in this country for the foreseeable future because of that. Yeah. And one of the vital things as well was that he worked hand in glove with RT. He had that relationship with them. I think he gave a few fights to them for free to get them on board. And Ray, what could a fighter of, you know, good good professional caliber, uh, good talker, very professional guy, what could a relationship like that do for the likes of your career and other colleagues as well at Celtic Warriors Gym or wherever across the country? Like that sort of relationship, national TV, what would you give for it? Look, RT is the, is the benchmark of every Irish household. If something's on RT, whether it's the, it's the news or the weather, it doesn't matter. If it's on RT, it's gospel. And you're in every household in Ireland. And the Irish are very clicky and they're clannish and they want everything to be their own. And RT is their own channel. 
So it doesn't really matter if you're fighting on Sky Sports, because not everyone has Sky Sports. If you can fight on RTE, and that's into every home in, the, in, in Ireland, you're a superstar in Ireland. That's the way it is. And, that, and then the Irish people are behind you. But I know it's very hard. This, I, don't even, I don't even see a way out to get that relationship back. Boxing is sort of on the back burner at the minute. Um, football, uh, Gaelic football and hurling have sort of taken the forefront. And boxing is sort of struggling way behind. And I don't, I don't see anyone, as Jim said, there's no one going to put their money where the mouth is. Well, you need, you need, you need to provide a show along with boxing. Boxing's only 50% of the night. It has to be a show. It has to be entertainment. It has to sell. And in order to do that, people have to put money up front. Uh, for the, for definitely the likes of RT to get involved in that. So I, I don't actually see. How it can happen, but if it could happen, I know boxing will be in a far better way if it could. Even amateur boxing, it would entice young fellas to, to, get, to go back into the club. Um, whereas they don't play football at the minute because that's all they see on television and that's all they want. Whereas mm. if that could be, if it could be brought back into mainstream media, like when I was a young fella, like Bernard Dunn was still fighting, Ricky Hatton was fighting, all these guys were fighting and People used to talk about it, but if you ask people now who's boxing, they only know the handful of names. They know Anthony Joshua and they know Tyson Fury. They don't really know any of the other, any of the other world champions, even in the other weights, because they're not being publicised at all. So I think we definitely need a shake-up, but we need someone to come in and help us with it. Mm. Did it look like at the time, um, for either of you, that this was probably going to be the end of the road, though, for Bernard Dunn? When you consider what we'd seen with the Kiko Martinez, he'd gone on the road in Ireland, built himself back up. And I, I was reading his book just to prepare for it, and Bernard Dunn, my story, and he, he knows full well. He talks about the media writing him off. He talks about the experts on the bar stools writing him off. He, he kind of... He gives it... He makes a suggestion almost that he was getting a bad rap around the country, but he had something... He had something in preparation, you know, he, the, the secret weapon, working with strength and condition trainer, Mike McGurn. But he almost writes in his book that he really felt he was being written off by the general public. Did people in boxing, such as yourself, Ray, and such as yourself, Jim, think differently? Yeah. I didn't think he was going to win. Um, and I said it on the night. So just while well, I fought that night and then I got out and I done the commentary for RTA, you know? Hmm. So when myself... Matthew Macklin and Mick Dowling. So before we were before the fight came on, um, the 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 host who was uh, Barry Maloney says, "Listen, when we come back out of the break, lads, we're going to ask how you think the fight is going to go." And the three of us agreed that we didn't think that Bernard was going to win. But when we come back on and they asked, they asked me first, and I said, "Listen, I don't think he's going to win." Macklin went back on his word and he said, I oh, know, I think Bernard will win. And Mick Dillon said the same. And then we yeah. went to the next break. I said to both of them, I said, listen, you pair of shites. I said, you <laughs> yeah. exactly said, and it, it looked like I was at the right the morning. But fair enough, Bernard won then. I was delighted to say that I was wrong. But Macklin, fair play to Macklin, he came out on TV and he said, listen, to be honest, in all honesty, he says, we didn't think Bernard was going to win. He says, you know, yeah. we said we thought we were going, but we didn't think he was going to win. So, but I mean, I don't think anyone thought that Bernard was going to win that fight. And the other side of it is, and I, like, I think if Bernard had fought him another 10 times, that he wouldn't have beaten them, nine of them. Like, he bet him the one time, but mm. I don't think he would have beaten them if he fought him, like, if he fought him the next week, if he fought him the week after. I just think on the night, Bernard boxed it out of his skin. And I think Cordoba didn't box as well as he could have or as well as he had been. You know, and that's that's the beauty of boxing. That that suited Bernard on the night. But he may not have done it if he had fought him. Like, if that fight had been on the next night, it doesn't mean Bernard would have beaten him. Yeah. And I, and I think, like, that's the general consensus. Um, that, like, your man was just... He had a little bit too much in his armory. But on the night... Bernard boxed out of his skin and he bet him. What do you think, Ray? Were you, you, were, uh, you were obviously at the very beginning of your career. You'd probably looked up, looked up to Dunn through his fights. I'm not sure if you're a fan or not. You can, you can let me know. But, uh, you know, we'd all seen what happened with the Kiko Martinez fight. Did you think he could win this fight against Cordoba? Um, I suppose I wouldn't have known an awful lot about Cordoba. Because at the time, professional boxing was on, on, wasn't on my radar at all. I was after to come back from the 
the World Amateur Games and I was looking at the, the London Olympics. You know, so I wasn't really studying professional fighters, checking records or anything. But obviously, I was a big fan of Bernard Dunn. Um, disappointed when he got knocked off with Kiko Martinez. But I knew that could happen to any boxer. Like, when you're in the boxing ring, anything can happen at any stage. And I would never write someone off just because they got knocked out on one night. Um, and I think it'd be foolish to do that. But I understand all the, the Bastille warriors. They write everyone off. That's the Irish, that's the Irish way. You, they want you when you're... When you're when you're struggling, and when the, they always support the underdog. But as soon as you get to the top, then they want to take you back down, and that's the Irish way. So you, you do you can't take any heed of them. They're they going to slate everyone, and we even when you're, the, when, when you're at the top, that's when you're going to get the most slate. And so you can't take any heed of that. Um, but as I said, I didn't know an awful lot about Cordoba. Obviously, I wanted Don to win. I'm another world champion, like another Irish world champion, I suppose, after Steve Collins. Um, and I was a big fan of Dunn until after, I just, I've lost my, my love with him um, over the last couple of years since we, we had a bit of a, uh, an argument, not an argument, we had a discussion on, on one, of the, one of the radio stations after uh, I came back from the Europeans. I won the, actually I won the, I won the European title and we're on about picking who's going to the Olympic qualifier between myself and Rossiki. And Dunn, I got sort of ambushed on the radio station. Dunn came on saying the senior champion gets first preference. That's the senior title. That's how everything should be. And he just slated that, drove that down. And I explained to him that I'd won the European title and blah, blah, blah. And it was long story short, I, we boxed off myself and Hickey. And I went on then to, to represent them. But he sort of slated me. He, like the European title didn't mean anything to him. And he just said it was all about the senior title. But now he's over the high performance. And senior titles don't mean anything. It's all about performance. So he's sort of gone back in his world that way. So I've lost my girl with him. But at the time, he was a, bit, he was a hero. Yeah. And I was well, we, we don't have Bernard on to defend himself on, on that. And I get, I get what, like, there would have been a lot of people would have said that uh, the, senior, the senior champion should go to a, should go to a f- major tournament or a qualifier. And I suppose since then, yeah, when you're actually in the job, things change, don't they? You know, once you're yeah. in the, uh, the high performance... So, so I, I I just didn't like the way he spoke down to me, or and it wasn't really he had well, no involvement in it at all. That's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But yeah. um, so what what we knew about Cordoba at the time, like he, I didn't know too much about him myself. It was my first assignment for the newspaper. Actually, what a night to get it. Uh, only only took place because of the rugby was happening, and our chief sports writer Neil O'Riordan, who usually he just won. Um, he just won Sports Journalist of the Year, actually, so congratulations to Neil. But um, he had to go to Cardiff to cover the rugby, and there was a spot open on the boxing, and I was kind of doing a few bits for the paper, but not actually going out on proper, you know, proper jobs. And I got got the opportunity from our old sports editor, Jeff Thompson, so I was delighted. I got to go ringside to that fight. Just looked up Cordova at the time, but you could see he'd beaten Caballero. He'd, he'd not won outside of Panama. And uh, just talking beforehand, he said how he was, you know, inspired by Roberto Duran and Eusebio Pedrosa. And like he turned professional at 15 and he was 24, you know, so he he was nine years in the game already and just looked. I remember meeting him in the National Stadium. I think there was a press conference. You might have been there yourself, Ray, Jim. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was there, yeah. yeah. But he was there with uh, Anselmo Marino as well, uh, another Panamanian fighter. And they just looked like they had the goods and they just they just moved like champions and they, they really had a swagger about them. We kind of thought Dunn's in for a really long night here. What were your impressions pre-fight? Well, me personally, like I'd looked up his record. I seen how good he was. I seen who he'd fought. And being a Panamanian fighter, I mean, they are from they are generally the best fighters in the world, you know. And he was the champion already. So I mean, like everything was stacked against Dunn. And it wasn't that I wanted Cordova to win. Like I just. Like I obviously would like was delighted that Bernard won, but on paper, um, the Panamanian was the favourite, and that's and that's just the way I called it because he was the favourite at the time. And mm. like you only had to look at the odds and the bookies, and, and I mean, like I was talking to lots and lots of people, you know, in the pro game, and like and everyone said that everyone thought that Cordova was going to win, and that's the way I called it because on paper. He had all the tools. He had the experience. 
Um, he had the wins under his belt and he was the champion. Um, and I mean, it was great for Bernard to get a shot at the world title, the, the WBA world title. But I genuinely just didn't think that he was going to win on the night. But I was absolutely delighted he did. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, uh, well, let's let's discuss the fight, uh, Jim. Hopefully, hopefully, you remember enough uh, of enough of the key points. Like, this is a this is an eleven a fight a twelve round fight that got, that stopped in the eleventh. Um, there's six knockdowns. Don't realize he says in his book in the first round, the f- one of the first punches after about ten seconds. I can not only hurt him, I can win this fight. I suppose might lead you to the suggestion that he was really unsure what way it would go until he got in the ring and shared it. But he'd taken on a strength and conditioning trainer for the first time properly in his career, Mikey McGurn. He called him a secret weapon and turned him into a machine. How did he look from the off? Like he, He did look really strong and he did look quite determined. He did look very strong. And, and I mean, a lot, of, a lot of time, a lot of time, the first round shapes the fight. You know, you can go out there and if, if you can impose yourself on your opponent, it can turn the whole, the whole sort of structure of the fight. And also you have to uh, understand that the crowd that night in the O2 arena, I mean, mm. that must have G'd him up something, you know, really G'd him up. It's incredible. Yeah. Was an unbelievable crowd. So he, he sort of drew energy from that. You know what I mean? And I mean, like, there are times, like, every fighter, they get hit, they get hurt, and obviously, when you have that sort of backing of the crowd behind you, it can lift you. You know what I mean? And you can do things that you, you know, you can get certain power from the likes of your glands and that, that is like from, that you normally wouldn't get. But I think the occasion really suited Bernard, and I think he drew from it, you know? Yeah. Ray, where were you sitting? I was back up in the the sky the sky seats because um, <laughs> I, I I brought fans with me, but they weren't going to pay the three or four hundred for the ringside. So I had maybe a busload of twenty or thirty that came to support me, but obviously yeah. there for the a historic night in Irish boxing as well. So after my fight, I was on. I think I was the second fight. Paddy Barnes was on first, and then me, and. I went. I went up then to my own to my own gang, but they were up in the sky. But it didn't matter because the, the way the the point the O2 or the point it was called, it's all shaped around the ring anyway. So yeah, yeah. There wasn't and, a bad seat in the house that night. No, yeah, there wasn't a bad seat. There was big screens up. There was and the atmosphere you could feel it right through. Oh yeah, it was it was special. I had a, I had one of the cheap seats myself and. I get, ended up giving it away when I when I was working ringside, so I was going to be attending anyway. But I went up and met my friend up there, and yeah, it was it was a great seat. So it was up in the corner, but it was still brilliant. Ray, do you remember watching the rugby match on the big screen simultaneous to Jim Jim Rock's fight against Alessio Ferlan? No, I was watching Jim Rock at the time. Yeah. I didn't see the rugby. <laughs> didn't Ireland won the the Grand Slam and the and the the four the Six Nations? The Six the Nations, yeah, 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 absolutely. And the yes, yeah, so that was like. Was all on the same day, like at the same night. 
Like that was a massive night for Irish sport in total. But I remember I remember the game on and everyone shouting at Rome, but I actually thought they were shouting at Jim Rapp. So did he. <laughs> I'm one stage ahead of all shouting and there's me I was oh god did I hit him hard or something like that I was wondering about it and then I just suddenly realised that fuck that thing <laughs> yeah but it had and that that along with Katie Taylor's fight had like the roof was really raised by the time um, Bernard Dunn entered the ring and you know there was probably so, uh, nervousness in the air could he get through the first round or what was what was really going to happen but he he grew into the fight really quickly, and he looked really assured and confident from the get go. He scores he scores a knockdown in the third round. And Ray, were you watching back? Did you watch back the RTE version? I did. I watched the RTE version. Jimmy yes. McGee and Dave McCauley was yeah. And, and like he knocked the he knocked down in the third round with a left hook, like and Bernard does orthodox. And just for anyone that's that's listening that doesn't know an awful lot about boxing, but and Cordoba is southpaw, and to be able to. For Orthodox to be hitting a southpaw with a left hook as freely as he was, it was it shouldn't have been happening. It was criminal, you know. It's usually the the backhand that gets through all the time with the with the southpaws, but to knock him down with a left hook and I think from my recollection he was catching him with left hooks all night, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, left hooks all night. Yeah, that was even the direction when he was coming out after the a brutal fifth, just left left hand, left hook, right hand. Um, yeah. At the time in the third round, Dave Boy McCauley's commentating on it, and himself and Jimmy McGee are discussing the Panamanians, like the greats. And Dave Boy, of course, says, "Look, I've got a lot of experience because he he would have sparred countless Panamanian boxers up at Eastwood's gym in Belfast." And he says, oh, "They're brilliant fighters, but they're so laid back. They're horizontal." And he says it just yeah. as Bernard Dunn lands the left hook and Cordoba staggers back against uh, back back across the canvas and falls and he's down. Horizontal. <laughs> That's what Jimmy McGee says. He goes, he is horizontal. So it was a uh, it was a magic moment. I mean, the whole place like held their breath. Like the whole place was shocked, and it looked like the fight could be over pretty quickly. Jim, what were you thinking when Dunn scored a knockdown in the third round? Oh, it was unbelievable! What a shock, you know. And I think it sort of it, it changed the whole course of the fight then. Um, and like I said, as as uh, Dave Boy said, like Dave Boy spared the Panamanians up there in Belfast. And when I started going to Belfast in 1993, up to Eastwood's gym, that's who I was sparring, like the likes of Victor Cordova, um, Oscar Cheque, um, and Chris Anto Espana, especially Chris Anto Espana. Espana, yeah, badass. And I mean, like, like the sparring, the things you learn from them lads, they're just. They're just streets ahead of us. They're just natural. They're natural fighters, and I think that they like. I think them Panamanian fighters. They are. They come from a lot more hardship than we come from. In that you know, growing up and that, and they're just the toughest fighters in the world. Yeah, those Panamanians. They just. They just don't hold back. And you see, in the fifth round, the fight begins to unravel for Dunn, and it looks like it's going to be an early night. Kind of here we go again. Like yeah, I done was down twice in that fifth round, isn't he? And it, there's only a couple of seconds left, and Cordoba's putting the pressure on him, and the referee, the the bell rings to and nearly saves Cordoba in the fifth round to get out of that round. You know, he's the pressure's on him after being down twice already. He's, this- big, he's, he's a cut on his head too, because I think the, the clashed heads was the round before that as well. Yeah, and he's bleeding. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he looks in bad state. I mean, down twice. Cordoba's put the pressure on, and then the bell rings for the round to be over, which is a lifesaver. Yeah, Dunn credits Harry Hawkins with kind of saving him, saving his title dream. And that one, he says he has no idea where he was. Like he was knocked out on his knees, just trying to figure out where he was, what was happening. And he hears through the dark tunnel the Belfast accent: "Get up on your effing feet, Bernard. Get up now." And he realizes, you know, I'm in a ring. I'm a, I'm on the canvas. This isn't a dream. This is the fifth round. I'm alone, and I have to get up. And it shows incredible, incredible spirit to get back up. Like Ray, you had, you had a similar experience. You you fought in your not in your hometown, effectively Castlebar. You're down, down again. Your fans are going crazy. They're all there for you. Just the expectation, the pressure of the crowd. What? How do you get up? Because I remember sitting ringside for that one too, and thinking. He's not getting up, and then he does. Yeah, it, it never came into my head that I wasn't getting up. No, I might have been thinking slower than normally, um, 
I, I, I physically wanted to get up, but I knew my legs were like jelly. And that's that's what happened actually in Cordoba in the last round, but we'll come back to that. But my legs were like jelly. I couldn't even feel them. And I did get up, but it was never in my in my, in my my thought process that I wasn't going to get up or that I couldn't get up. I instantly wanted to get up, and my legs allowed me, even though they allowed me to fuck all else. Apologies about my language, but I couldn't do anything else with my legs, but they did. They allowed me up. So it was never... I think any boxer, any fighter, anyone worth their salt would always want to get up. But it's the body that might let them down if they if they can't. Mm. You know, there's no. If you're going to step into that ring, you're going to get up if you can. Yeah. Well, it, it done done does rise, uh, but he can't. He, he gets hit with a right hook, which effectively does the damage. He goes down, but then it's the next right hook that puts him down the second time. That it, the fight is done, Jim, isn't it? At that stage, he's getting up for a third time, but. Cordoba has enough time. He has about 30 seconds, 40 seconds to inflict a killer blow. Surely, I remember thinking this this is over myself. Yeah, again, it's just look plays out on the night. I mean, like when he, you know, he could have went in if he had a landed the, um, you know, a straight way hand again, he could have stopped Dunn. You know, but, you know, Dunn survived the rounds and, um, and obviously then went back to his corner. They sort of steadied him. Um, and prepared him then for the sixth round to go back. He, did, he, he did incredibly well to survive, though, because if you remember, like Andy Lee winning his world title, he staggers Korobov and then he just assaults him with 16, 17 punches. And some get through, some don't. But the referee has seen enough because he knows Cordoba is hurt or he knows that Korobov is hurt. It's very much the same for Dunn. Like he goes, he goes to the ropes with 10, 15 seconds left and Cordoba just empties the tank on him, throws 16, 18 punches at him. Somehow Dunn manages to blo- manages to block them, but I think, and then he almost like like Ray mentioned earlier on, he almost knocks out the referee because the only punch he throws back is when yeah, the referee is, is when the referee is separating them, and he kind of catches the referee on top of the head. But it's you know it's all it's all good. Well, uh, I know I know Jim was saying there it was luck and he got through that. But I think Dunn deserves a lot of credit for that. You know there was massive, great massive. that came in. You know he held him, he tied him up, yep. he delayed he delayed when he went in, back to the ropes. You know, he did enough to get through it. It wasn't just by chance he got through that. Now, fair enough by chance that there was only a couple of seconds left in the round. If there was a minute left in the round, not a hope. But mm-hmm. he knew he had enough time to, to, to try and hold on. And he did that. And he did exactly all he needed to do. Did, did, did the fact that he had a strength and conditioning yeah. trainer and he was stronger than he'd been previously, did that stand to him in there? Because I know some people in boxing don't really believe in the power of the strength and conditioning uh, trainer or whatever boxing training is enough but then others would would swear by it it's surely a given that Dunn had enough power and was stronger that he was able to hold off Cordoba in the fifth because we wouldn't be talking about this fight now had it all ended then when it should have probably no well, obviously with the strength condition he um, you know I suppose not only does it make you stronger but also mentally it makes you stronger because you believe um, from all the training that you're you're fitter, you're stronger. Um, and also, you have to say that because the fight was in Dublin, if that fight was in Panama and that fifth round had happened and he's hit down and he was put down twice and then there was the onslaught at the end of the fifth round, would it have been stopped more than likely? Yes. But they allowed the fight to go on in Dublin. And this is the thing about, you know, I don't mean that Bernard was lucky. I mean, circumstances are lucky. You know, he's lucky that the fight was in Dublin. You know, he's lucky that he had the crowd cheering him on, geeing him up. You know, he's lucky that the referee knew the fight was in Dublin and there'd be an outcry. So he would be given that little bit of an extra chance. And that's what's called home advantage. Yes. And it played a big part on the night, you know. Well, that's the beauty of it. I remember being quite surprised at the time um, that Bernard Dunn was able to almost, I think he probably won the sixth round. And I remember being just completely taken aback that he was able to go from being perilously hurt and on the brink of being stopped to going out and I'm not sure if he won the, net, won the next round I, th- I thought he did but just the fact that he managed to steady the ship I'm shocked yeah look, but again that's down that's down to fitness you know you go back you're tired you're hurt your cornerman sits you down he gives you a water they put the ice on the back of your neck so they get you back relaxed and um, and obviously with your fitness you recover quickly, you know, and then he goes out and he's able to, um, he's able to impose himself in the sixth round. 
Remember, I think I think strength and conditioning would have an awful lot to do with recovery. You know, strength and conditioning and lifting weights, all that. They're not necessarily. I don't see a massive um, result in you know making you hit harder or do any of that. But they, they give you endurance that you can you can do a lot more for 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 a lot longer. Um, and that's what I that's what I've gathered from from my strength training or, or endurance training as well. Would have lifting the weights and pushing your body like that. It's very hard to get the increase in the power, but it'll give you longevity with at at the top level. Mm. Is it a bit like Viagra? You mean is it? Yeah, well, Jim, I know that's it. Jim, I'll let you know what I'm right. You might know about more about that than I will. Not at all. Jim's just, Jim's just waiting for that Pfizer package to get through the door now any, any day now. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be a vaccine. <laughs> yeah, you can call it that. You can call it that. So, um, the, the, rounds, the rounds start to go by and it's, it's quite a competitive fight. I think the judges are effectively favouring Cordoba. Good old Jimmy McGee on RT is favouring Bernard Dunn. I uh, I remember at the time not being sure, even watching it back, not being sure. Because you see that Dunn, Dunn is fighting the fight of his life. Um, ultra competitive against a top against a top fighter. And, you know, looks looks dangerous, effectively. Looks dangerous in every you know, every time there's exchanges. He's coming off he's coming off quite well. They're playing Rasputin, Rasputin by Boney M during the rounds. Um, just the, the man who wouldn't be killed. Uh, but then we enter into the 11th round and the crowd, I think, in fairness to the crowd, they lifted it for the championship rounds. And the, the atmosphere as the fight went down the stretch was absolutely unbelievable. I haven't seen anything like that in an Irish ring since. Maybe for Frampton, but I'm not sure. Ray, you had a good atmosphere yourself. Well, I had a massive atmosphere, but it, it, it didn't help me like it helped Bernard Dunn when it finished up, but I, I can't complain anyway. Was, that was my own doing. But look, you were talking about Jimmy McGee commentating and all that. But if I can remember correctly, Jimmy McGee was saying that Cordoba was hurt and he wasn't going to want it. You know, maybe in the seventh or eighth round, they were saying, if Dunn can catch him here, he doesn't want it. They, yeah. I don't know how they knew that. It's maybe they did the commentary after they watched the fight. The way they were talking, it was like they knew everything that was going to happen. And they, they were like perfect on the point with everything. They said if Dunn catches him now soon, Cordoba won't want it and, and Dunn will finish it. Even though Cordoba looked on top in the middle rounds as well. Yeah. Well, you see, you've also got the Jimmy McGee sitting the closest to the fight than anybody there. Mm. Because they're sitting right outside the ring ropes. So they can see things more clearer than let's say I caught up in the box or you caught up in the up in the stands. I mean up they, in the rafters. <laughs> up in the rafters, yeah. But I mean like they can see like they can see up close, you know, that and um, they can see him going back to his corner. They can see him his his reactions when the when he's talking to his trainer in the in the bits of the rounds and that sort of thing. So I mean maybe they seen a little bit better than than we seen. And and the other side where is Jimmy McGee is was very knowledgeable too. I mean, he, yeah. you know, I mean, he may not have boxed or anything like that, but Jesus, he could read anything. Yeah, he's seen, he seen a lot of boxing. Yeah, he was on, he was on fire, and I was sitting just behind Jimmy McGee. Could have touched his shoulder, and um, yeah, it was such an emotional night for him because Jimmy would have been friendly with Bernard's dad as 1976 Olympian and the Hawkins clan, and you know everybody there would have known Jimmy and would have had a story with him. He almost seen me getting killed as well just before the fight happened. What happened? I was, I think it was one of the undercard fights. I think it could have been Andy Murray. And he, he won his fight and I was over just in the tunnel interviewing, just getting a few words off John Breen, your old trainer, Jim. Yeah. And so we're finishing up and I went back to my seat and I remember being, I was sitting beside I think Mick Foley, Sunday Times, Adrian Eames from RTE. I think one up was Cormac Campbell, the editor of Irishboxing.com at the time. And, you know, we we're re all really enjoying the show, but I, I went back and my, my ringside seat with my name and it had, had a woman sitting in it. So I had to kind of ask her to, I was like, excuse me, this is my seat. And uh, yes, you know, I saw, I, I asked her as politely as she, as she would to kind of, t you know, vacate the seat and could she please move on and if you don't mind and blah, blah. I'm glad like I was very mannerly and stuff, but it took a lot, a lot of persuading or nagging or whatever. And she eventually did move. 
And then kind of Karma Campbell came over and he tipped me on the shoulder and he says, Kev, fair play for keeping your cool there or whatever. I says, why? He goes, Cause you don't, you don't know who she is. And oh, who, who is she? He goes, that's, that's Eamon McGee's wife. And I look back about two or three rows and Eamon McGee's just looking up, like watching <laughs> what had gone on. And I realized I'd, I'd nearly died that night, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be typical of McGee. He won't pay for the bloody ringside seats. And the minute you get up, he'll jump into your seat. So don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah, but um, these these boys are going absolutely toe-to-toe. As Jimmy McGee describes it, tit-for-tat, punch-to-punch, glove-to-glove. And I'll read a, I'll read a little extract from Bernard's Dunn, Bernard Dunn's book going into round 11. He just says, I let it all come out. With a minute 51 remaining, I catch him with a decent shot. And then the back of his head, we touch gloves. I'm not sorry. He is like a different fighter. I feel the same. Fucked, but the same. His, combina- his combinations feel like powder now. They are not traveling as far and they have less impact. I'm watching for openings. I send in a left. It shakes him. We come in close and I let off another left hook. It hurts him badly. He holds on tight. No headbutt this time. We are onto something here. There are 82 seconds left. Break, yells the referee. Earl, Cordoba is what? wobbling there's a lull in the crowd they are tiring as well they don't see it nobody sees it yet nobody but me and he talks about how he takes them apart effectively left hook left jab right hand they all land there is a delayed reaction as Cordoba steps a full meter away before he starts to stutter backwards I leg it after him the place erupts the next two right hands don't really connect but he's off balance and going down anyway timber uh so Dunn runs off to the neutral corner but she he goes in for the kill at that stage. Cordoba's a beaten docket, spent force, three knockdown rule, and the fight is over. The place absolutely erupted. And that's what I was saying that Cordoba's legs were gone at that stage. He was shot. No matter if he wanted to stay there for another 10 rounds, his body wasn't going to let him. And Dunn obviously knew, knew he was he was in front row to that, to, to that onslaught. So he knew what punches were connected and how he felt. Because boxers can tell that about each other. When they're in the ring together, they know when they're tired, they know when they've nothing left. So once the boxer gets blood in his teeth, he's going off the kill. And Don knew it then as well. So Cordova, no answer for that. Mm. Jim, what was your reaction as as the fight was over? Were you, we, you guys in the studio, yourself, Macklin, McDowell and Darren Maloney, if, if they had that kind of hidden camera footage now, would they show you guys jumping up and down? Or what were you like? No, well, I mean, we can't be jumping up and down because you're mic'd up on a um, and and it's not um, it's not a wireless mic. I mean, like it's it's with a wire, so you can't be jumping up and down. But look, we were all delighted, um, and I mean, it was it, it was something that was unseen. I mean, whatever if he had have beaten him, but to stop him in the manner he did, I mean, like it wasn't expected. So I mean, like it was a it was a terrific result, and it was uh, it was a shock. Yeah. The scorecards were 95-92, 96-91 and 97-90 all to Cordoba. So it was the absolute opposite of hometown cooking. He was walking he was walking away with the fight on the scorecards. And as well, I think on that 11th round, there might have only one one or two seconds left before the rest stopped it. You know, yeah. so time in there was everything really. Or if if Cordoba got back to his corner, he might have recovered as Dunn did. Mm. You know, so you know, everything sort of fell in favour. But, you know, that that's not by chance. That's obviously how hard you work and that's what you get. But, yeah. you know, a, sec- a second or two is, is lethal in them, in them dire straits. Well, Dunn talked afterwards about kind of like him and Ronan O'Gara were the heroes of the day, I think. And he said he kind of identified with Ronan O'Gara because you might miss your chance, a conversion or a penalty, but then you have to have your mindset completely on for when it comes up again, you have to be able to execute and deliver. And I guess that's what he did in that 11 round. And it takes a lot of guts to go out and take the opportunity when it is. Cause I'd imagine had Cordoba, like you said, Ray, being able to go back for that 11 round, maybe he was gone, but maybe he would have had the experience to just hold and be negative and coast the last round and, and take the fight. Well, that's it. Like you, you don't know. That's, we don't know how this going to happen. Done was able to do it. I think was it was it in the fifth round Dunn did it. But he had more stamina left. You know, that was in the middle of the fight when he had energy. When something like that happens at the latter stage of the fight, you're already spent. You've already used all the energy. So it's very hard to try and recover then anyway. So we don't know what would have happened, but you know, he the seconds like it 
Usain Bolt who win most of his races by a second. You know, there's a, it's a big margin where it depends on the context. So it's a big margin in boxing too. And we can't be saying he got lucky by the second or not. That's the that's the, exactly the way he put it and that's the yeah. work he put into it. And he got the result. That's it. Yeah, kind of like you, there's no lucky punches. Like you trained your whole life to throw this punch. Someone says yeah. then, oh, Andy Ruiz caught Anthony Joshua with a lucky punch. It's nothing lucky about it. Like he... he Planned to throw the punch. He connected with the punch. He wobbled Joshua and he won the fight. Yeah. yeah. Jim, have you ever seen a better fight yeah. in an Irish ring? Um, no. No. I mean, that was the biggest fight and the most dramatic fight, I suppose. Um, obviously, the likes of um, Collins and Eubank and a couple of Collins' fights were very, very good. I mean, I loved them. I loved the atmosphere in them and I loved the the style of Collins they just they wear people down you just get stuck in there you know nothing pretty about his boxing but he was a very 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 effective but I mean the atmosphere that night coupled with it being a WBA world title as opposed to a WBO I suppose it has to be one of the best well probably the best Irish victories in an Irish venue ever I'd say yeah yeah, I'd have to agree. And all the big nights since Casey against Rigando and, you know, even Macklin it was the last big night at the point. He got, like, stopped. Casey stopped. Bernard Dunn had a title defense against Poonsawat. Stopped. So they've all kind of been like a burst balloon. But that was the last nearly really, really big stadium or big arena fight that an Irish guy won. I, you know, blew the roof off. Yeah, and it was a terrific night. And I don't think we'll ever see a night like that again. Um, like, like I said, even if we get a fighter um, that climbs the ranks um, or that is as good as Dunn, I mean, we may very well have fighters that are better than Dunn, but will they have a promoter to back them that's going to, like we said, like Brian Peters, who puts his money where his mouth is, invests in the, in the fighter when they're young, brings them up. I mean, like, I'm... I know for a fact that Brian Peters put on loads of shows and didn't make any money on them while he mm. was bringing Dunn up. Then he got the likes of RTE involved and he got the likes of Hunky, Hunky Dories and he had the sponsorship. And I mean, like, RTE wouldn't have ran these shows unless they had the sponsorship as well because that's it costs a lot of money to, um, to stage these shows. So, I mean, it's not just RTE, it's not just Brian Peters, it's the sponsorships behind it. It's a combination of all these things coming together at the one time that will allow a fight, um, uh, a production like that to to go ahead, you know? Yeah. Well, lads, I I think they should make a movie about it one day. Ray, you can play the part of uh, Bernard Dunn. Or Cordova. Or Cordova. I I thought we got to get him for the the thing from McGregor. He looks more like that sort of look up there, doesn't he? Well, I did tell people I said I have only half McGregor's money, so it couldn't be him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, you were saying there there about if we had fighters better than Don and people like Brian Peters. We have Brian Peters. We have a fighter better than Don, I believe, in Katie Taylor. They're together. Like they're, 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 It's not a day duck in the water yet. There's still a chance we can revive this to get it back on track. We have the, the Golden Goose, which is Katie. We have Brian Peters. Uh, well, I know Sky Sports are involved as well, but they, I think this is... We have to capitalize on this. And I think... I know I'd love Katie to fight in Ireland. I know she would love to fight in Ireland as well. There's enough, uh, under, there's enough for the rest of us to fill the undercard. And that, yeah. that could benefit as well. And I just think this is the opportunity that we can't let slip. This mm. is this is our only chance. Because if this goes, I don't know. I don't see much at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I thought we, I thought when she went professional, that was the one. That was the one that was going to do it. Because she even she fought on that Bernard Dunn Cordoba fight, and she absolutely raised the roof. Her fight was extraordinary, really competitive. And twelve years on, you know, she could she could do it again. Let's hope. Sky Sports are not going to bring a show to Ireland um, when they haven't wore on the pay-per-view of the likes of Anthony Joshua and now she's she's topping pay-per-view herself. So Sky Sports are not going to come over here and run a show over here when it's a lot cheaper for them to run that show in England. You know, and then obviously we have the, the times we're in at the moment with the feud and all that. So 
there'll be no shows in Ireland. There will be no shows in Ireland for the foreseeable future. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. That is the. I mean, that's the. Uh, that's I the, believe they're they're hoping to come to Belfast soon enough, and I think that that could Belfast be a is U- Belfast is UK. Yeah. So I mean, like in terms of boxing, it goes under the BBB of C. You know what I mean? The shows are being run in Belfast, but I mean the feud isn't in Belfast. No, there was talk of um, a possible Katie fight in Cork. You know where she's fought as an amateur. Ideally, it's the three arena. They find a way to trash it out. Peters puts on the show along with Eddie Hearn. Undercard lads like yourself, you know, other other fellas who work with Eddie Hearn, such as James Tennyson, Eric Donovan. You have yourself a show. Even have it on a Sunday afternoon so you don't need to build a big undercard. Have it as a family day. And hopefully they find a way. I'm not, I'm surprised they haven't attempted yeah. it. But, you know, that's... that's I think the, to cement Katie's legacy, I think she, I know she would love to win win a world title, defend a world title in Ireland. I think that's part of it. Steve Collins travelled the world and then he came back to Ireland for his greatest fights. You know, and that's... That's why he's remembered here so much is because he fought in Ireland, and most people you talked to were at the fight. You yeah. know, they, they, so I think we would love it. We all would love it. Everyone in Ireland would love Katie to be able to do it. And I, know, I think she would love it. But I know it's out of our hands at the minute. But hopefully, we can come to a, a resolution about it. We might even get a Jim Rock exhibition fight on it. You know, pay per view. That'll definitely send it into the pay per view <laughs> sphere. And uh, you can you can fight. Who would you fight, Jim? If you had to have an exhibition against another lad your old age, your same age, who's retired? <laughs> Me, I'm happy for someone like Mick Dale or something. If he wants to come out of retirement, I'll fight him or something. Go for it. I'm not, fight, I'm not fighting anyone else. They have to be well older than me. <laughs> that's fair that's fair um, lads thanks very much for joining us this week on the Rocky Road Rewind it's been an absolute pleasure as we looked over Bernard Dunn's WBA world title win over Ricardo Cordoba at the Free Arena Point Depot call it what you will back in 2009 pleasure lads cheers Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.